Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. about how tithing transforms. And that's generally where there's a collective groan that goes over the congregation. And that's because when we talk about money, we get uncomfortable. A lot of us don't really want to talk about money in the church. A lot of us don't really want to talk about money at all. Some of us are very uncomfortable talking about it. And yet the Bible talks about it, and Jesus spends a lot of time talking about it. And so if we're going to be faithful, we're going to have to wrestle with it a little bit. And one of the things that has become very apparent to me is that tithing is not just about money. It's about choosing to be transformed. When you tithe, it actually transforms. Now, I am not here, and I'm sure you've noticed by now, I am not here to tell you what to do. I believe that you are all very capable people, that God has blessed you richly, and that you will decide for yourselves what is right. And so today, in the spirit of my ministry as a total, I would like to just share with you what tithing means in the scripture and the tradition and the reality of the world and just leave it there. That's what I would like to do. So I tithe, I will tell you that. It's one of the practices that I have had for a very long time and I tithe for multiple reasons. I tithe because it's in the Bible. I just read it to you. It's definitely in the Bible. It's in the Bible multiple places. I love it when I encounter someone who says it's not in the Bible and I'm like, do you read it? Because it's there. It's definitely in there. It's in there so often, actually, that when Jesus talks about tithing, Jesus doesn't define what tithing is because everyone's already tithing. They know what a tithe is. Jesus doesn't have to explain it because we all know what it is. And so it was assumed that not only the Israelites who were explicitly told to tithe and then their spiritual descendants, the Jews, and then later those early Christians who were themselves transformed Jews, were practicing tithing giving the first tenth of what they earn for the glory of God. And in the scripture that you just heard, Deuteronomy, it's talking about why and how and kind of giving them some guidance because things are about to change for them. So if you're not familiar with the book of Deuteronomy, let me give you an example of what Deuteronomy is. So Deuteronomy occurs when all of the people of Israel who have been liberated from 400 years of bondage and slavery in Egypt and have now completed their 40 years of wandering because they did not believe that God was capable of helping them enter in and taking control of the promised land, we've now gone our 40 years, and now we are ready to go into the promised land. And they get right up to the River Jordan. They can see before them the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that they will possess for all time. And they get there, and they're ready to cross, and Moses goes, wait! I have some things to say to you. Before you go in... Let me just tell you some things. That is the entire book of Deuteronomy, apparently, that what he told them. It is the speech that they get before they go in. So can you imagine you are ready, you are hungry, this is the moment, this is going to be a moment that will be a triumph for all time, and you get this close, and suddenly Moses is like, wait, I have an entire book to say to you. I'm sure they were paying attention with rapt ears, right? I'm sure they were very, very excited over this. But what Moses was trying to do was recognize that he was not going in with them. His journey with them was ending right at the river. And they were going to go into a promised land where he would not go. 
And he had a few things, a few many chapters of things, that he wanted to share with them. And one of them was what I read to you, to remember the tithe, to remember. And in the beginning, it was easy. As I said during children's time, your tithe was 10% of whatever you had. So if you had 10 lambs, the first lamb, that's the one you turn over. It's very easy to do. If you gather 10 bushels of grain, then the first one goes to God. It's very easy to figure it out. Not, a lot of, not very hard. And it had a purpose. It was for the glory of God, but it was also because, as it repeatedly said, the Levites aren't going to inherit land. They are not going to have a place to farm. They are not going to have a place to raise flocks and herds. They are going to be running these what we call sanctuary cities, and they are going to be working in the temple. And so they are not going to have the ability to feed themselves the way others were from other tribes. And so the tithe even helped to care for them as they cared for God's people in ministry. And so that remains part of that. That's why clergy are paid from the offering. But that was the way it was designed. But as you can hear in Moses' words, it's not going to stay that way. Because once they get into the promised land, the tabernacle had been in the center of their community every day of their lives. They pitched their tents around the tabernacle. But once they entered into the promised land, the day would come when the permanent structure of the temple would be built way down in Jerusalem, in that holy city. And then people from all over the promised land were going to have to travel very far. And you might not be able to go there with your first link of your flock or your, your bushel or your first basket or the first fruits of your harvest. And so Moses said, you can turn it into money. You can turn it into money. And then when you get there, you buy what you need to buy for worship, and then you worship as you would have before knowing that money was going to be a part of their lives forevermore. And money is a part of our lives. People who say that you don't need money, try being without it for a little while. You'll learn real quickly that you need money. And as I grew up, not only was I aware of the scriptures about tithing, but my parents tithed and they spoke to my sister and I about tithing. And we recognized that this was part of our tradition. Now, if you are from a different tradition, it's likely that you experienced giving to the church in different ways. When you're a Roman Catholic, they give you envelopes that tell you what you're going to pay. So if you're in a brand new parish that has a brand new building, you're paying for that building that the diocese had built. So it may look different if you're a Catholic. If you're a Protestant, we don't like really being told what to give. We don't do very well with that. So we generally leave it as a free will offering. You can give what you expect. Hopefully you're expecting to tithe, but that's where we kind of leave it. Unless you're a Baptist. If you're a Baptist, you're going to tithe. Because that's their tradition and that's the expectation. And they are a very literal biblical people. You are going to tithe. Now, if you're a Jew in this country, they're going to ask to see your tax returns so that they can verify. Can you imagine? I don't even want to look at my own tax returns. I don't want to see yours. All right, that's not happening. So let's talk about the tithe. Let's talk about it. Why would we bother to tithe? Because tithing transforms. It transforms us in unimaginable ways. Now, if you're already a tither and you're going, yeah, I know, please sit through this because all of us need to be reminded. But if you're not a tither, then listen up. Because the first thing tithing does is it requires us to be more fiscally responsible. It, you can't tithe when you don't know how much you have coming in. 
You can't tithe if you're not even sure what you're making. So it requires you to actually figure out your full income and figure out your expenses. And for some of us, we have not done that. We haven't really wanted to do that because you're afraid of what you might find if you sit down and do an audit of your finances. But you have to. You have to do it so that you are aware of what you actually bring home. Now, it's really easy to kind of figure out your tithe. You figure out what you actually make, what you bring home, before you pay the federal government. You figure it out. Or for those of you that are actually into money talk, that would be your gross income. You figure out what your gross income is. And then you take a tenth of it, divided it by 10. And there you go. That's what you give. So I make $60,000 a year. My tithe is 6000 I pay the federal government more than that in my taxes. But this morning when I woke up and I checked my bank account, I was like, there's a lot of money in that checking account. And then I realized, oh, my paycheck has come early, but I could already see, because I have set it up this way, that my bank is processing my tithe check. It will be here tomorrow. And I divided it by 24. I get paid 24 times, 6,000 by 24, and it happens automatically. My bank is programmed so that when my paycheck hits, that check is cut, and it comes here. I don't even have to think about it, but I feel good about it. And so it changes how you look at your own finances. And it changes the way that you start to look at money. Because when you change how you do your finances, you start caring about where your money goes. Right? If you're very aware of what you've got and what you're giving, you pay attention. You ever notice that? If you're sitting at a restaurant and you're like, I paid for this? I'm not happy with this. You know, or you go somewhere and you're like, this is not what I expected for this amount of money. You start to be more aware of how your money is being spent. That's important. Awareness is investment. When you are aware of where your money goes, then it's really important that it's being done well, that the stewardship is there. Now, I'm the daughter of a government bureaucrat. I used to be married to a government bureaucrat, and I myself did my time as a government bureaucrat. And there's nobody I trust less with my money than the federal government, because I've seen what they do with it. But I can tell you right now, the best part of the church, especially United Methodism, is that there is one level between you and the top. You, church council, right there. And if you want to be on church council, talk to me later. But it's that close. Accountability is right there. You easily can see what we do. You can walk into our front office and you can ask our administrator for our church finances and immediately she will give them to you. She will show you where our money is delegated and where our money is actually being spent and what bills we have current and outstanding. She will tell you all of that because we believe in your awareness, being transparent and providing clarity for you. If you are going to give your money to this church, then we believe that you ought to know where it goes. There's no hidden fund. There's no blacked out line items. We will tell you everywhere every penny goes because you deserve that kind of respect because you give to us. Even if you don't give to us, you can walk in there and we'll give it to you because we believe in that level of awareness. And so you have the ability to say, why are we spending money here? But even more, you have the ability to say, you know, we're spending this much on this line item, but because of my personal experience or my background, I know that we could spend half as much 
if we did it this way. And then our money can go further because you are empowered to bring your knowledge and your experience and your training, your education, to the table and have the conversation. So not only are you now more financially aware when you tithe, but you're, you're also more aware of how it's being spent, the stewardship. I mean, how many times have you given to an organization and then you find out there's all kinds of financial discord or fraud and then you get really angry because that's where you put your money and that's what they did with it. But in the church, you get to know every single penny that is spent and where it goes. And that's important. It's important for you to know how the church is being good stewards of your money. But not only does it make you more financially responsible, not only is it going to increase your awareness of your personal finances and that of the church, but you're going to cultivate gratitude. Have you ever been in a church, maybe not even this one, have you ever been in a church and they're celebrating something that they accomplished and you think, I really wish I had been a part of that. You know, I'm hearing about it, but wow, wouldn't it have been great to be there on the ground floor? Wouldn't it have been great to be a part of that, to have been there when that was done? As tithers, every success of the church is yours. Everything that we do, whether you were out on that plaza with 36 middle schoolers or not, you were a part of that success. Whether or not you were part of the worship team that hosted a thousand people over Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, you were part of that success because you have fueled that ministry. You have allowed it to happen. And a church that tithes has no fear. Tithing eliminates the fear because each individual tither has already wrestled with the fear. We've already said, here's my finances, here's what I can give as my tithe, this is what I'm supposed to give, and now I will figure out how to be good stewards of my 90% so that the church is empowered with my 10. And the more people that tithe in a church, the more fearless and bold a church is. So last week I was down in North Carolina as part of the Reynolds Leadership Program, myself and 23 other clergy, and we run from Virginia all the way down to Florida. And as we were divided into small groups at one time, one of them was talking about how at their church, there is an endowment for $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars. Can you imagine if someone handed you a quarter of a million dollars today, how that would change your life? How it would change the life of the church if somebody wrote a check to the church for that right now? but theirs is tied up in an endowment. And the endowment says that it can only be spent on the building. So the church is starting to feel the effects of atrophy. The church is starting to feel its membership shrinking. And yet it has a quarter of a million dollars that it cannot use to launch a preschool, that it cannot use to open up a food mission project. It can only be used on the building. And they took that money and allowed the restriction on it because they were afraid. They were afraid that if they didn't take the money that one day they wouldn't have it. And a church that tithes doesn't have that fear. They know that those who are part of that tithing and those that are part of the active giving of the church are here and present and step up and jump in. And they can say, we would love to accept your gift. 
but we do not feel called to say that it will only go to the building. And if you can't trust us, then we cannot take that money. Instead, the church and its ministries and its missions are atrophying and shrinking. And there in an account sits a quarter of a million dollars. And it will sit there because one person thought the church was a building and not the blessings of Jesus Christ. But a church of tithers can say no. But not only can they say no to that kind of restriction, can you imagine if someone who was in your family and loved you said, I want to give you money, but you can only use it on a house. Could you imagine? Now, some of you would be like, all right, fine. But some of you would be like, no, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I want to be free. I'm a very responsible person, and I can make decisions, and I don't need you to tell me how to do things. And you're right. You don't need that. Instead, you know that you are able to discern for yourself what is best. Or maybe it's with your family that you can discern together what is best. And that is what the church is. We are a family. And when we are entrusted with money, we can discern God's will for us. We are able to do that. And you have to trust in that. That's where fiscal responsibility and more awareness not only have more gratitude, but they empower us. They make us more nimble, more responsive. So that when someone says, I've got a great idea. We're already doing stuff with the kids and we're already doing stuff with the middle school youth. Let's do something with the high schoolers. Have at it. When someone says, you know, we're really doing wonderful things with our food mission project at Grace Grocery. What if we expanded it and added in some clothing? What if we were able to give people access to a clothing closet as well as a food pantry? Go. I want to start a new group. Curriculum. I want to be able to go on a mission trip. Funding. A church that tithes can respond quickly and actively, while the movement of the Spirit and the invigoration and the passion of the people is there, we can go quickly because we have the money. Tithing doesn't just transform us. It transforms the church, its ethos, how it thinks about the world and ministry and transforms how we respond to ministry. And this church has proven time and time again that it can act without fear. I will never forget when you all made me feel like the biggest fool, one of the best days of my life, when I had stood before you every Sunday in Advent and confessed to you that we had agreed that we were going to give money to RIP Medical Debt Relief, that we as a church, a mid-sized church in that little town that nobody can pronounce, we were going to raise money so that we could buy medical debt and forgive it. Set those people free. That's what we decided we were going to do. And then I was like, great, we'll raise $10,000. And RIP said, we want fifteen. And I said, you're crazy. And I told you, I said, this is what they want. They want $15,000. And I was like, I don't know if we're going to do it. We've never done $15,000 since I've been here. Over 20. Over 20. In five weeks. 
of Advent, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day. Over $20,000. We bought $2.2 million of medical debt and set those people free. A church that tithes can do that every month can set people free, can bless them, can help them every single month. Tithing makes you bold. It makes you feel like I can do these things because you know what? I am not ruled by my money. I am ruled by Jesus Christ. That is my monarch. And when my monarch calls me to go forth, when my, con- my monarch calls me to respond with passion and mercy, commitment and compassion, I can do it because I know I know who runs my life. If we become like so many who are ruled by their money, they are fearful of losing it, they are fearful of not having enough, then Christ is not our monarch. It is the money that is telling us how to live instead of using the money to help people really live. And so tithing reverses that power struggle it puts you in charge and it seems counterintuitive i know that it does you mean if i give money to god i'm going to feel more empowered oh yes you are every year i tithe six thousand dollars and i put six thousand dollars into a roth ira now i've been tithing and putting money into that roth for about the same amount of time i've been doing that And there are a lot of people that are like, the Roth is a better investment. The Roth is a better investment. What are you getting back from putting your money in that church? And I could get all mushy with you and give you emotional things that I'm getting back, but let's be honest. On the day that I die, it won't matter if I have $4 million in that Roth. It won't matter. Jesus isn't going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You managed to die with a million dollars in the bank. Jesus is going to say, You funded the kingdom. And every time a brick of the kingdom to come was laid in crozet, you were there. And every time people needed to experience my goodness and my grace, you were there. And every time every coin goes out of crozet and goes into the world, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I am there. And that is what Jesus will tell me. Come into the kingdom that you have built. You have not just built it with your faith. You have not just built it with your faithfulness. You have not just built it with your hands and your feet and mission and ministry. You have built it with all that you are. You have withheld nothing from me. Come into my kingdom. Isn't that what you want? Last week we celebrated our saints that had gone on to glory. And we talked about their legacy. And the only thing that really lasts is not your money. It's what you do while you're here. It's who you are in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you, like me, who have joined the church, have pledged to give it your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. We cannot withhold one. We are who we claimed we were going to be or we are not. But the next time you think to yourself, maybe I should. Maybe I should take a step in that direction. Maybe. 
know what is awaiting you. What is awaiting those who tithe is more financial responsibility. Greater awareness of what is going on in the investment in the church. And greater gratitude. You're going to see your money do things with the church that you could never imagine. I was a bill collector. I used to call people to try to get them to pay their medical debts. I heard stories that to this day break my heart. But because of my giving to this church, one day all of that was reversed. And instead of calling people and trying to figure out how to get them to give me their money, I was able to give them their lives back. I was able to be part of that spirit that sets people free. It set free God's people from 400 years of slavery and bondage in Egypt. It has set God's people in the name of Jesus Christ free from their guilt and their sin and their eternal death for over 2,000 years. That is who we are. And every time we choose, it is our choice to be a tither, then we are choosing transformation for ourselves, for our church, for those who are going to be blessed by this body of Christ. We are choosing selflessly to be a part of something bigger. And I'm not going to tell you to tithe. That's not my job. I don't even know what you give. Even if I had your giving statement, I don't know that you're tithing. I don't know. Frankly, that's too much work. I'm not going to do that. You know what you give. You know what you're called to give. And you, I trust, to make the right decisions. But if you've been looking for a moment, a reason, a catalyst, a trigger to take the next step in your faith journey, then this is it. The day is here. And next week, I'm going to talk to you about how you can transform your tithing. So like half the people will show up next week because of that. Right? I've already had a bunch of people that are like, we're not here next week, but it's not because of the sermon. But I promise you, I promise you with all that I am, that I have spent money on some really frivolous and ridiculous things in my life. I really have. And I have made bad investments, and I have not always been a good steward of what God has allowed me to have. But I don't regret one cent of what I have given for the glory of God and for the work of the church. Not one. Not one. And that is the difference. That is the difference between somebody who recognizes what tithing is going to do to them, for them, versus somebody who thinks, I'm just paying a bill. This is my church tax, my temple tax. That's all it is. And it could be. That might be all it was, except that God even said, through Moses to those people, Every third year, keep your tithe in your community and bless those that had no inheritance. Bless the Levites and bless those that also don't have any land from which to gain a living. The resident aliens, the widows, and the orphans. God was telling us all the way back in the first five books of the Bible that tithing is that social security net that we would care for God's people. Because 
It's not just a mandate. It's who we are. We are those that care for each other. And how many times have you used your money to show your love? Parents and grandparents, we pay for the education of our children and grandchildren. Sometimes that looks like paying for college. Sometimes that looks like private school, whatever it looks like. We pay for education because we love them and we want them to be their very best. You have someone in your life that you love and you pay for their passion project. Right now, my son has decided he wants to play golf. That's not cheap. I was like, you can't do something like soccer has a ball. I was informed today, like a ball. Like, right now, golf. That's what he wants. And you know what? I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to make it happen because I love my son. And if that's where his passion is, then I want to help him achieve his passion. So I take my money and I invest it in that. How many times have you paid for experiences and vacations so that you'll have something to treasure with those that you love? We use money to convey our love all the time. All the time. And God, who's entitled to everything, asks for less than the federal government. God, who would be well in line of saying, give me your 90 and you live on the 10, says, if you give me the 10, I will take care of others and you will still have more than enough. More than enough. What a miracle that is that you can give so freely and yet still have enough. And then someone who had nothing will now have enough because of me and you and you and you. That's what it does. It transforms everything. But it starts with us. May you sit with that. And see what the Spirit calls you to. Because we are a people who are called to go on to perfection. To always grow and deepen. And to more and more, by day by day, reflect our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.